Welcome to Word is Truth. This is Doug Presley, and today is 12-16-2020, and we're ready to begin our Bible study this evening. Let's have a word of prayer. Father, thank you for this time we have this evening. We thank you for those who have called in, and we pray for wisdom as we seek your word, as we diligently seek you. We pray that uh, as we work uh, in this world, that our work will be rewarded properly at the judgment seat of Christ. That this is the reason, as we are living and breathing in this world, that we know that there is a expectation of us, that we have a calling over our lives. So we pray, Father, that we will be worthy of, the, of uh, that calling and that we will step up and take our place in the battle. It's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. All Amen. Right. So we, as you know, are studying in the book of Romans and uh, Romans chapter 8. We are between verses. Uh, we didn't finish some of what we began last week on verse, oh, I guess it was 32. And we have verse 33 before us. And you have notes, so hopefully take a look at those notes and you can follow along. But uh, before we get into that, let's take a moment to see if there are any follow-up questions that uh, we can address. I will pause. I don't have a follow-up question. Um, does anybody else? I think the floor is yours, Dwight. You're right. I got a, a new question. How's that? Oh, go for it. All right. Um, well, we were talking about um, the verses in John uh, 15 about laying down one's life for its friend. Mm -hmm. And I was, I was thinking about where else that is applicable in scripture because we were talking about um what that means and everything mm -hmm. and one of the verses that came to me was romans 12 1 but i don't know if this is um if this is similar in in any regard in in much regard i should say so in ESB, it says, I appeal, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. And then the next verse, of course, the famous 12.2, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, etc. Um, so... In, in in the context of fellowship with each other, um, loving each other as Christ has loved us, um, I started taking a look at 12.1 to see, is this anything similar? Um, like he's asking us to offer or present our bodies as living sacrifices. And I think at one time you would... I talked about what that means in, in a simplistic way is, is just showing up 
that God has something he wants to tell you, and he needs you to be there, attentive and, and humble. Um, so at this, but at the same time, we're also looking at um, you know, giving priority to, to spiritual things, the spiritual truth. And, and that's pretty much what we covered in Ephesians chapter 4 about speaking the truth in love. Mm-hmm. And worship here is not the same as adoration like it is in John 4.24 where, um, where Jesus explained to the woman at the well um, that you know, God is seeking those who worship in spirit and truth. Um, uh, worshippers, you know, and... Um, they will worship in spirit and truth. And that is the well, literal meaning of the word worship. Here, it's more like a, uh, an administration, a ministry, or your, your act of service. So in performing these acts of service in Romans 12, 1, is that part of what we are called to do as far as laying down our lives for each other? I think they're, yeah, I, I think they're related in that. I, I think the way you, you pointed it out and first understanding what John chapter 15 is saying that, you know, laying down our life for one another is like, uh, just like washing each other's feet, just like what is required of us here in Romans 12, which is to uh, offer ourselves living sacrifices uh, now it says brothers and sisters obviously it's for all of us this is the the conduct that is needed in order for us to come to the knowledge of the truth so we can understand god's will it is it we need to all do this so i think romans is more about dealing with the how-to to get to this place where we can understand what god's will is um but it still does deal with um, how we relate to one another because the more we come to the knowledge of the truth about who we are and what God has called us to, the more um, we'll be able to uh, see each other according to how God sees us. And that's what is important. We, we will understand um, God's purpose. And his purpose doesn't just involve Christ, it involves us as well. We are members together of one another. So, is, is it related? Yes. So, I think Romans, not Romans, but uh, John 15 deals with those disciples and the foundation and what they really needed. And by extension, John 15 also deals with us. Uh, when those verses... Uh, begin to tell us that the world hates us. He's talking about them, obviously, but by extension, us. The world hates us is just like it hates them. We need to love each other. We need to understand about um, the Father's purposes, not just the disciples. So yes, it's related. Um, I think John 15 is more normative like this is the normal way of life. Like he spoke about earlier, remain in my love, abide in me. 
uh, and I will abide in you. So there's two sides of it, and he's given us both sides and what they look like. So yeah, John 15 is more of what God expects for us from a uh, normal Christian experience of what the new, this new age will be. Whereas uh, Romans 12 is saying, hey, you need to get there. Stop being conformed to this world. You need to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Here's how you do it, right? And, and then once you do that, then you can understand what God's will is and, and so forth. So I think it's related to, to that, yes, but more so from an instructional point of view as opposed to John 15, just kind of like saying what is normative for what he expects of the disciples. Look, I washed your feet. This is the behavior I expect you to go and wash other people, right? The the believers are precious. You know, Christ is not here today where we can, you know, give him adoration and praise. But fellow believers are here in our midst. I know we don't look at each other like that. We're like, oh, that's so-and-so, that's so-and-so. Yeah, but those are believers who were called from the foundation of the world just like you. And I don't think we have the respect and the honor when it comes to fellow believers that the Bible speaks. I wouldn't say we don't have it at all. I would say to the degree uh, that we understand what God has done for us, to the, to that degree we will continue to develop that relationship where we see each other as precious. And I've talked about that from the standpoint of the body in 1 Corinthians 12, where you know my point was that everybody has a gift and is, is necessary to the church's success in this world. It's not just one person that everybody crowds around and says, okay, tell me what God said. It is really all of us showing up to the table and presenting ourselves and, uh, and our gifts and our insights and so forth. And that collectively is a part of what we need in order to fulfill God's purpose. We can't just fulfill God's purpose because one gift is in, in play. Your gifts also have to be in play. And so to the extent that you show up and you, um, you participate in our service, but more than that is what you do when you leave through the week, what happens then. Right? And so all of that, it, it matters. And uh, I always, can, I've said this before, but I can't do this without you. I couldn't. Uh, I'm challenged by you. And without that challenge, I don't think I would have um, the motivation to, to express whatever gifts God has given me. So I'm thankful, and I really am thankful for for all of you, but more than thankful, I know that all of you contribute to what I do, and and uh, I'm going to be blessed by what you do, and and what your contributions are. 
as well. So I don't know why I'm talking about that, but that, hopefully that answers your question. Yeah, it does. Yeah. Yeah, it does. I, I kind of see clearly that, um, yeah, coming, coming together is a sacrifice. I mean, if, if, if the basic message is um, that God wants to have an audience with you, and so that is your living sacrifice, is to just be present with him. Well, what do we have with each other? We have that challenge. We have that opportunity to grow together and mature and come to a better understanding of the of truth and the knowledge of Christ. Absolutely. So, yeah, so. Absolutely. When we went through that Ephesians 4 where we covered that verse that said, um, you know, that we, we're not to be no longer infants. This is 14. Tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. And then we, we got to 15. We said that's what we don't want. That's in 14. But in 15, instead, speaking the truth in love. We will grow up to become, in every respect, the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. So notice, this is not just me speaking the truth. It's all of us. Right? That's, that's the conversation that we have. And the conversation inspires more thought. It unlocks more things that we thought we didn't know. We'll be asking questions or coming to questions that we didn't even know we had. Right? And so the questions that you have will benefit me or the insights that you have will benefit me. Uh, and we'll be able to push forward together, speaking the truth in love. And that. So re just remember, it is not about you. A lot of people think it is about them personally. This is not about you. This is God, the Holy Spirit, who is in charge. He's the one leading us. Where it says we will grow up and become... All we're doing is cooperating with the Spirit of Truth. He will take us. It is not about us. We don't have the intelligence or the competency to be able to understand and navigate in these waters. God, the Holy Spirit, is in control. So just keep that in mind. It kind of takes the pressure off of us. Allow, it, allow him to speak through you. Like Paul says in 1 Corinthians 2, this is what we speak. Not wisdom taught us by human, but wisdom taught us by the Spirit. So, so you have to allow God to use you in that way. So when we come together, that is the opportunity for you. Now, remember, respecting the, the fact that not everybody has the same gift. So we have to learn to respect that and to have expectations of others who show up. Because they have gifts, we should expect and respect the gifts that they have. And we don't know what they are, but there'll be things that we need. <laughs> we don't know. I can guarantee it'll be what we need. God, the Holy Spirit, knows what we need, and he gifts those accordingly so that we can 
grow up in him, uh, right? From verse 16, from him, the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. That's 416. So, so you, there is no one person gets it, gets to some place, some pinnacle and says, hey, I'm, I have arrived. I am there. And then everybody else is looking at him like, what, what do you mean? No, we all have to get there. That's, that's the goal. I think uh, daycare centers and schools have this phrase, no child left behind. And that is the same thing we have. We're not looking to leave anybody behind. Everybody is coming. And this is how it works. This is what God has called us to. And we could do it. It's not, like I said, it's not our ingenuity, our, you know, how savvy we are. It is about God, the Holy Spirit. He can lead and guide us in all truth. He is your competency. He is your intelligence. So don't worry about you not being adequate. He, he gives you everything you, poss- you, you can possibly need to stand your ground in this world. So I will pause to see if there are other, there are other comments out there. Yeah, um, I had a, a comment. Uh, you know, I was, you know, the uh, white script, uh, the scripture in Romans that the white uh, quoted uh, Romans twelve one, and I was looking at Romans twelve two in particular, mm-hmm. where it says, "Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transferred. I mean, I mean, transformed by the renewing of your mind." then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, is good, pleasing and perfect will. You know, um, and then, you know, I was thinking that I was thinking about the plan and I went to Rome, I mean, to Ephesians 1.8. Uh, so being conformed to the pattern of this world, uh, but be transported, we know, just like you said, that all we have to do is align ourselves with God the Holy Spirit and let him take us along because that's what he's here to do. He's in, he, he's done a good job and he will continue to do a good job. Um, so, but I was thinking about Roman, I mean, Ephesians 1, 8, uh, where it says, uh, which is uh, that he lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. Mm-hmm. So it, it kind of blows my mind um, that, you know, uh, then you, you go over to Ephesians. I'm sorry, I'm skipping, but I'm trying to get to my point. Mm-hmm. That, you know, because of his great love for us, Ephesians 2, 4, uh, God, who is rich in... In other words, this plan... Um, that he didn't do willy-nilly. I mean, this was with all wisdom and understanding he he, he, he formatted this plan. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I was looking over your notes, uh, Romans 8.32, which says uh, he didn't spare his son. Uh, 
uh, gave his son up for us. So, you know, it, it kind of blows my mind that he knew, this is this to illustrate your point, that he knew from eternity past uh, that all of us were not going to uh, do God's perfect will. In other words, uh, as it says there in, in uh, you know, and what is, I mean, you ask people, what is God's will? And most people won't understand. They won't, but here it is right here. His will is mm -hmm. uh, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Mm -hmm. So, but he loved us so much that he gave his son. That's the pinnacle of his plan. Uh, to, in other words, without that, uh, the sons of God, to get to this point where the sons of God are going to be revealed, and he did all this with all wisdom and understanding, knowing that people would not get to this point where they performed God's good and perfect will, good, pleasing, and perfect will. Mm -hmm. So, uh, I don't know if I'm making sense, but what I'm saying is, is that it, it all wraps up, all of it, and uh, being conformed to this world and being transformed is what we're doing. And you, if, if you're just following along, you, I don't think you can help but be transformed. So, uh, you know... Our goal is, of course, to do God's perfect will and accomplish the goal. So the judgment seat of Christ, uh, we have said, he can say about us, good, pleasing, and perfect will. Absolutely. I don't know if I'm done. Yeah, so, yeah I, 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 do. I do. You know, it. with all wisdom and understanding, that, that to me, I, I, I've been looking at that a while, and if, if this wasn't done in error, he knew the plan. He knew that there were going to be believers that would not accomplish God's good and perfect and pleasing will. Mm -hmm. And he made them sons. They were sons anyway. That's right. He goes back. Yeah. So, it's, you know, we, we get caught up and we say, oh, it's about us. But like you said, it's not about us. It's about us taking a ride. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's why I thank God that we're given the information so that we can get into these deep things of God uh, that they're talking about in First uh, Corinthians uh, chapter 2. Verse, you know, we're exposed. There's so many that are not, not even exposed to uh, how do you transform your mind mm -hmm. and renew your mind and what's God's will. They don't have they, they can't get there because they don't have the information they don't have the correct information uh, I'll, I'll shut up that's really not a question it was just some comments that's, those are uh, good comments that make me think as well uh, in fact the scripture I would offer you along that goes along with what you said is Galatians in Galatians 4 uh, 4 through 7 Galatians 4 4 through 7. So it says, I'll read it, but when the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, and that we might receive adoption to sonship. 
because you are sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts. The spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you are his child, God has made you also an heir. So the timing of it, like God knew what he was doing. This was not some, some secondhand plan because Israel failed. And now, okay, since Israel failed, I'll do this. This is the plan. This is, there's no plan B. There's only a plan A. God doesn't need to have a plan B. We might. But God doesn't. Because God, is, his plan is perfect. It will succeed. We know. And that's part of what we're going to talk about in Romans. About the surety of it. Right? We, what is developed in us is, is a hope. The hope of our calling. Right. But we come to know that not only is this this for real, but it is the call that is upon us. And we begin to start experiencing the responsibility of what God has placed on us. And you, you made a point that yes, it doesn't matter. Um, and in fact, that's exactly where we are in our notes. Why don't we get there? So hopefully that that is an excellent comment, and um, I'd say continue to meditate on those verses. The Lord has a lot more to show us, and He He can, will continue to show us and take us down that road. So heading to Romans chapter eight. So we we didn't finish um, verse thirty two. Um, he who did not spare his own son, but gave him up. For us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? Now, we didn't get to we didn't get to finish the graciously gives us all things part, which is is uh, point number four in our notes. You know, I'm so tempted to go back over some of the things that we covered previously. I'm going to resist that temptation because we have a lot to go ahead of us as well. So, so he, this last point number four, he graciously gave will give us all things. He did not. He who uh, will not also, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? So this first thought is graciously. Um, we're in a position in this position because of God's sovereign grace. Now, this is something, in fact, that you were just talking about, because really, <laughs> it's, this, it's God's grace that put us in this position. And a lot of what happens for us in this age, and I'll just say it this way, is of God. It is all positional. And the little bit that we do, which is to suffer with him, if, if we do suffer with him, then we will also be rewarded with him. That is a small part of what God uh, has for us in our destiny. That is not the whole ball of wax here. What God has done for us has to be chalked up to. And the most monumental bestowal of grace that ever was. So some people even call it the age of grace. Right? Well, 
we receive grace instead in place of grace, it says in John chapter one. So this and when we say sovereign grace, what we mean by that is that God gets to choose whatever he wants. So you you could think about that in terms of this. I know we don't we need to start seeing God as a person with choices that he can make. And not only does he have choices that he can make, but he has all power in his hands. He is omnipotent. He can do anything he wants to do. God can create things out of nothing. There doesn't have to be existing material. It's like somebody said, okay, I want you to build a car. But they gave you no parts, no anything, no tools, no anything. And they said, just, I want you to build a car. And there was absolutely impossible. There's no way that we could, have, we could accomplish that. But God is nothing to God. He could build, he could think about whatever car he wants you to build, and he could just build it. He does not need existing material in order to accomplish what he wants to do. That's the kind of power he has at his disposal. And it is not something where God says, wow, I am so powerful. Look at me. Because that's his nature. He's always been able to do that. That is not something that he's wowed about. We are wowed about it. Because of, it's not something that we have at our disposal. So when God, we have to say, when we're created in God's image, he's a person like we're persons. And what we don't do a lot of times is we see God as just this vending machine. We put in our requests, hit the thing, and the, what pops out is the blessing. It's what we want from God. We don't see God as, oh... God is sovereign and God is the one overall. But he has choices. He's a person and he has choices that he makes. Look, he's come up with a plan. And he, the, the, the distinctiveness and the decisions that are gone into this plan are made by somebody who is particular about what he wants. And we know God is righteous. And so whatever he does, he will not do in a maniacal or... Uh, backhanded way. It will always be upright and honest and transparent. That's what God does. I like that verse in Romans where it says, he did this to demonstrate his righteousness at the present time and his righteousness to those who had sinned previously. So God says, I'm going to show you who I am. I'm not going to hide about who I am. I'm, I'm op upfront, open, transparent for you. So this that God is doing for us in this age is about his sovereign grace. He chose you. You did not. There's no way that you got here by yourself. This is God's choosing. Obviously, when presented with the gospel message you believed, you did choose to put your trust, the matter of your soul salvation, in Christ on his shoulders. You did that. That was your choice to make, and you made it. And But all that follows, it's like Christ says, I am the door. <laughs> well, Christ is the door. Well, we walk through that door so that we can get to the call that God has over our lives. It is not just the fact that Christ paid for our sins. He's the Savior. right? Just like the scripture we just read in Galatians. That's 
God sent his son at that particular time that we might receive the full adoption to sonship, that we might have all of these benefits. Now, we didn't know that all that was in behind the door. It's like the price is right. Do you want what's behind this door, this curtain? You know, no, well, God gave us something that was fantastic. And we had no idea that we would be chosen for such a tremendous, auspicious honor. There's no way we could have understood or known that. But all that we know, God the Holy Spirit has led us to understand. We could not have known it any other way. The fact that we know it says that God the Holy Spirit is alive and active in 2020. He's here. He's working in us and through us to bring us to the full knowledge of the truth. So all of this is by his sovereign grace. This is before you lift a finger. This is, this is all positional, the fact that he chose you and him and all that. You didn't do anything. All you did was believe in his son, and you are now identified with the creator of all things. And not only the creator of all things, but the father. who It's his eternal purpose. You have as not just an asset now, but as a part of your being, God the Holy Spirit. He is not just some, some uh, accruement that God has added to you. He is a part of you now. God the Holy Spirit is a part of who we are. That's it. There's, that integration is, is fixed forever. He will be with you forever. There's no getting out of this. This is who we are. God has made us this. Now, of course, when we come to the consciousness of this, we come to the knowledge of this, we start, our eyes start to get big and we say, okay, all right, so what do you want me to do? What should I be doing? That's where we start responding with, I believe it first. I understand what you, tell me more. And then not only do we believe it, but we come to love it. And that's when Christ, who is already in us, begins to take the reins of our life on this earth. Like Paul said, for me to live, Christ. And that's, that's exactly what happens. Oh, so that's a nutshell. But remember, even if we are, are an Apostle Paul, we live our lives exemplary like he did. Now, I don't even know because I'm, I'm saying, Paul, you know, we'll wait to the judgment seat of Christ for God to tell us that it was exemplary. But from what I can see, it was. But even with that, that's not even, it's not even to be compared with, right? This is what, some of the scriptures that talk about this is 16, where it says 17. Now, well, let's see. We're children, then we're heirs, heirs of God. So that heirs of God comes with glory all by itself. That is our position that we were called to. We are heirs of God. But then he says we're co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in his sufferings, in order that we may also share in his glory. So that's what will happen on this earth. Christ suffered and died on this earth and was raised we can give our lives up to Christ and we can be rewarded 
but our rewards will be battlefield rewards. They're not a part of the fact that we are heirs of God. And then verse 18, I consider that our present sufferings. Our present sufferings, well, he's, he's talking about our present sufferings. He, he, the ones he says right there, right? If we should uh, participate in his sufferings. But they're not even worth comparing. They're not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. It is not worth comparing. Do you get that? I hope you get that. Because I don't know if we said it like that when we went through it. So you should know, one, that God sovereignly chose you to this calling. And with that calling is inherent suffering. Right? But whether we choose to go through that suffering or not, that's up to us. But if we do, it's not even worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. Don't even comp- don't say, well, you when you get to the eternal state, you can't say, well, you know, I worked hard and I was obedient. And God, you, you rewarded me great. It's listen, you won't even talk about your accomplishments cuz they're nothing compared to what God has blessed you with. And there's another and and this verse literally says it. Present sufferings. Well, what are the present sufferings? Well, those present sufferings will produce uh, glory in us. Well, what glory is that? That's the glory that we will share with Christ. We will rule with him and so forth. But that's not worth even comparing with the glory that will be. There's something so much greater. What should we be talking about? Should we be talking about the little bit of suffering that we go through? Or should we be talking about... Uh, that which is not even worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. The, the creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. What should we be talking about? That glory that the creation is waiting for or the little bit of suffering that we're going through? I can answer that for you. We should be focused on the inherent glory that God called us to from eternity past. That's our focus. And that's where we develop the understanding and the motivation to be able to suffer with him in this world. So let's get back to our notes. Just want to make sure we, we covered that. And oh, there's another verse I was thinking about, and that's in Second Corinthians chapter four. None of these are in the notes, by the way. So Paul calls it this. Um, 416 and you, you you've seen these verses therefore we do not lose heart it means we don't become discouraged by what is happening in this world right the, the problems that we are faced with uh, you know we carry around in our body the death of Jesus you know um, where it says um, uh, those who uh, you know, he says, I believe, therefore I have spoken. I'm going back into the context of this so you can, we can pick it up a little bit. Um, here, here's the verse. We're hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. We always carry in our bodies. Now, so when we get to this, he's saying, don't lose heart. Don't be discouraged because of all of that. That's... So, so this is how he, he describes it. Though outwardly we are wasting away. 
yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles. Well, light and momentary. People are given, some people have to actually become martyred. But notice, in the light of what all that we just talked about, of God's sovereign choice of grace for us, it's light and momentary. It is over. It's like me. I hate needles, I will tell you. I hate them. And I'm not sure after this Bible study if I'm going to like them or I'm still going to hate them. But usually, it's just this. It's light and momentary. I, you know, I build myself up to all this, is all this, and then the needle comes and it's over. It's done. And they're like, okay. They're putting a the Band-Aid on. I'm, I'm tensing up and all that. It's light and momentary troubles. They're achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. Don't even compare. You won't even say anything to God about what you went through when you were here in the world. It's not worth even comparing. Don't talk about it. Because what you should be talking about is the sovereign grace that God has bestowed on us because of our position in Christ. So, so back to our notes. Graciously, we are in this position because of God's sovereign grace, not by our effort or vying for position. We didn't, you know, you don't jockey to say, I want, you know how the disciples were doing that? Like, can I sit at your right hand? And uh, this one, the other one's like, no, I should be the one to sit at your right hand. <laughs> and the third one comes up and said, well, well, let me sit at the left hand and that one at the right. Uh, no, we don't vie for a position here. Ephesians 1, 3, and 4 says it, right? And I want to include 3. Ephesians 1, 3 says, Praise be to God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And here it is. Who hath blessed us. Who, who hath. He has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Now notice, it didn't say on earth. Because right now, this is the devil's world. And what happens while we're here? Suffering. The world will hate us. In this world, you will have trouble. But here, where it says, this is the position where he has called you. How does he describe it? Who has has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Didn't say some Spiritual blessings in heaven is all blessings. Every spiritual blessings in Christ. Now, hold your finger right there. Go to Colossians chapter 2. Here it is. What what is this stuff in Christ that we're talking about? Let's see what it is. Colossians 2, verse 2. My goal is that they may be encouraged in heart, united in love, so that they may have the full riches of, Every spiritual blessing in Christ. Full riches of complete understanding. You know what? We can't get the fullness of this yet because um, because we don't have our resurrection bodies yet. And our resurrection bodies will complete the work that God has done in us. Now, but one God, God gave us the deposit. 
Now, the deposit, guess what it is? It is not that we can now exercise all that God has given us from our call in eternity past. We cannot. But guess what? The deposit does give us that we can know it. That it can, we can own it. It's, it's a part of who we are. The Spirit uh, bears witness, testifies with our spirits that we are God's children. We are sons. And so we can know what it is, but that's the deposit, but we, are, we don't actually have the fullness of it until we get our resurrection body. It says Romans 8.23, for in this hope, right? It talks about we groan, we who have the first fruits of the Spirit groan inwardly as we eagerly await the adoption to sonship. So, so this is the thought, the full riches of complete understanding in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ, in whom, this is the blessings that we got, are hidden. This is what they are called, all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. This belongs to us. This is why it says in 1 Corinthians 2.7 that this wisdom was destined for our glory before time began. All the treasures. Right? That we may have the full riches of complete understanding. We can have that now. We don't have to wait until the resurrection to get all this. We've got this. And now... All we can do is yearn, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. So back to Romans 8, um, or, or was it Ephesians, actually, I'm sorry. We're, we're, I told you to hold your finger there. So Ephesians 1, so he's blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. How did that happen? How did you achieve that? What did you do to get it? Nothing. Here it is, in a nutshell. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world. You didn't do anything. You are The fact that he chose you in him says all of that is true in verse 3. And in Colossians. The knowledge of it, some people are not even going to know that they're in this position. Because of their ignorance and stubbornness. But guess what? They are. He has blessed us. He did it in eternity past. What, what did you need to do? Not a thing. All you did was believe in Christ. And he chose you in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will. There it is. It's complete. So th those verses to me are profound. And we'll, we'll look at a, a couple more. Uh, Romans 9. Of course, what I'm saying as we turn to Romans 9 is all of that is positional. That's what it is. Positional. It is not experience. You didn't earn it and you don't deserve it. Don't even fix your mouth to say you deserve it. Because there's nothing you can do to deserve the lofty. So you, it's not even to be compared with what God is going to, he's already done in us. So if you said, well, I help God. No, don't even compare. The, what happened in you is not even worth comparing. 
not to say it's worth less, but it's certainly not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. Where all creation will be affected by us. So Romans 9, 11, Yet before the twins were born or had done anything good or bad in order that God's purpose and election might stand, not by works, but by him who calls, she was told the older will serve the younger. So, and then he says, just as it is written, Jacob I loved, but Esau I hated. So this verse just seems to say to me that God's purpose Right. An election might stand. God, this is the, obviously not referring to the church. He's talking about the election of Israel. And you know it took uh, God's sovereign choice with Abraham, God's sovereign choice with uh, Isaac, God's sovereign choice with Jacob, right? who later became, God changed his name to Israel. God, this is his choice. No one can get in the way of that. God is the one who chose those people. Now, you, you might say, why did he choose them? Well, why didn't he choose uh, Abraham's brother Nahor? Why didn't he choose Ishmael? Why didn't he choose Esau? Because it was God's sovereign choice. The distinctiveness of his choices speak to the fact of his personhood. Just like you, whatever you put on this morning... And you chose to put it on. I, I use simple analogy. Uh, you, you chose, unless somebody told you, you had to put it on. But you have a choice to make. And somebody could question you. Why? They could try, question you all the way down to the ground. Why did you do it? What, what was the reasoning? All that. And you could say at the end of it, because that's what I wanted to do. That's the choice I wanted to make. And that could be the end of the story right there. Well, God is a person, and he can choose. we we got to learn to respect his choices. Israel didn't. They didn't like it when, they, when God brought the church on, on board and said, okay, you know, the church is not under the log. i got a new plan. Come to learn it. This is my eternal purpose. Israel said, no. No, no, no. Uh-uh. I don't like it. We're chosen. Not them. The Mosaic Law's in play. Not whatever you're talking about in this church age. So notice God had to remind them that it was his sovereign choice that established Israel. So don't get snippy with me, God is saying. I'm the one who chose. You didn't have any complaints when, it, when I did that. But now you got complaints when I sovereignly choose the church. Oh, okay, gotcha. So then there's another verse in this, uh, and then this, go to 11, 5 and 6, Romans 11, 5 and 6, same thing. So too, at the present time, there is a remnant chosen by grace. And if by grace, then it cannot be based on works. If it were, grace would no longer be grace. So who is this remnant chosen by grace? What's he talking about? Uh, he's talking about is those who are Israel, who are going to be part of the church. So at first he's talking about uh, Elijah, where he says, look, they have killed, verse 3, they have killed your prophets and torn down your altars, and I 
am the only one left, and they are trying to kill me. What was God's answer to him? I reserved for myself 7,000 who have not bowed the knee to Baal. Now he's saying, look, in verse 5, so too at the present time. Now, Paul's saying, there's a remnant chosen by grace. God has Jews who were part of Israel, but now they're part of the church. And if by grace, it's not on way. God is saying, I sovereignly chose them. And notice his sovereign grace rules. You cannot get in between that. He sovereignly chose you from eternity past. You can't change that. That's, we weren't even here to even think about it with him. We had to learn it through the spirit of truth. But now we are here. Now we know it. So what we learn to do is not only respect it, believe it, but come to appreciate and love it. Because God did this for us. He right? said, so this is ours. Let's keep going in our, he graciously gave us all things. So point B, all things. So here's the scripture. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed heir of all things. Think about that. That's Hebrews, right? Hebrews 1 and 2. Uh, so I just quoted it. I just copied it here for you so you don't have to actually turn to it. But in these last days, it says, he has spoken to, you know, why don't I read uh, Hebrews so I can get the full context of it in verse 1. Hebrews 1, 1 and 2. Let's go for that. So it says, in the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom... He appointed heir of all things. When did he, and my question in the notes is, when when did he do that? When, did, when was Christ appointed heir of all things? This says appointed, right? When? Well, eternity passed. It didn't happen when Christ came on the scene. This was a plan. This was part of the eternal purpose of God. That Christ would be the focal point. That in him, right, all things right, would exist and move and have their being. That he is the heir of all things. He is the rightful heir where the Father has given everything over to the Son. We're talking Roman-style adoption. The Father could have said, I'm, I'm the one who has the plan, so therefore I, all things belong to me. But no, he says, I'm going to appoint Christ as heir of all things. He did this. And then it says, and through whom, now through whom is Christ? And it's the Father talking about the Son. Through whom he also made the universe. So when we read in Colossians, for by him all things were created, things in heaven, things on earth, visible, invisible, whether it be thrones or powers or principalities or whatever, all things were made by him and for him. Notice, for him, he is heir of all things. And through him. So Christ was the, he was an agent in the creation. Even though he was the creator, it was according to a plan that the Father had. 
That's how we have to see this. Otherwise, it wouldn't make any sense. What does this mean? Through whom he, uh, through whom also he made the universe. Who made the universe? The Father or the Son? The Son. But the Son made it through the instruction and the plan of the Father. So you could say the Son made the universe, but you can also say, here it says, the Father made the universe. Because he was instructed to do it. He was appointed to do this according to the plan. So Ephesians 1, 22 and 23 also speaks of this. Let's see what that says. Ephesians 1, 22 and 23. And God placed all things, and we're talking here, he, he graciously give us all things. God placed all things. Who's God? God the Father here. He placed all things under his, who's his, Christ's feet. And appointed him, Christ, to be head over everything for the church, which is his body. The fullness of him fills everything in every way. God placed all things under his feet. We're talking about Roman-style adoption here. But the, what happened to Christ? So Christ has this position. Guess what? We are now identified with the person of Christ. Verse 23, which is his body. The fullness of him. Remember we talked about how we complete Christ because this is the Father's plan. This is what his ideal was. That we complete him. And who fills everything in every way. This is our position. You didn't earn that. You didn't deserve that. It was the gracious, sovereign choice of the Father. That's how you got there. Point number C, all things, right? So this is, we're talking about all things. For in him, all things were created. Things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created. And here it is. Look at this. Through him and for him. Yeah, there it is again in Colossians 1.16. Through him and for him. So obviously Christ is operating under a plan. This is not just the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. Well, that's a plan. That's a component part of the plan. But this also is a part, a component part of the plan, that Christ will be the creator of all things. And the creator of all things will come and, and, and be made flesh and dwell among us. That's part of the plan as well. So point number, point D Here's what Paul, he says, all things are yours. And this is a quote is from First uh, Corinthians 3, 21 through 23. All things are yours, whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas. They were arguing about who's the best, who's the greatest, or the world or life or death or the present or the future. All are yours. All. The present or the future? Really? All are yours. And you are Christ, or you are of Christ, and Christ is of God. Notice, the succession here is the same thing we've been talking about. This is the plan, right? If we miss this, 
and you miss your role in it. You miss the, the, that we, as we live and breathe, are God's eternal purpose. This is what he wanted right, for us, for ultimately to be those, children, those many sons that are called into glory, the children of God. So there's a couple of scriptures. That's the one in 1 Corinthians 3, 21 through 23. Wow. I don't know what you do with that if you don't agree. I just don't know how you would uh, how you'd look at that. What, what do you think about that? All things are yours? All things, really? And he explained it? And, and who is he talking to? The Corinthians who were arguing about who's the greatest. It is not about their achievement. It's about their position. All things are Paul's just trying to get them to, to, for this to dawn in their consciousness. He's, he's allowed the Holy Spirit. They've been resisting. He says, I, I wanted to speak to you, spiritually speaking, but I couldn't because you're babies. But notice what he says at the end of the chapter. All things are yours. It's not about their achievement, the fact that they uh, were obedient to uh, to Christ on, in the world, and they grew in grace, and they got to the... No, this is there. It's, here it is. Then go to 1 Corinthians 6. There's one we don't usually quote, but it's appropriate right now. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 1 through 3. Let's read it. If any of you has a dispute with one another, with another, do you dare take it before the ungodly? for judgment instead of before the Lord's people? Do you dare? <laughs> or, or verse 2, or do you not know that the Lord's people will judge the world? Really? That's our that's part of our responsibility? And if you are to judge the world, are you not competent to judge trivial cases? Do you not know that we will judge angels? How much more the things of this life. I like what it says in 1 Corinthians 2, right? Uh, where it says the person, verse 15, the person with the Spirit makes judgments about all things. But such a person is not subject to merely human judgments. So we, ha we sit from, at a position where we are able to make judgments about all things because we see all things. We understand that this is the destiny that belongs to us. All things are yours, whether Paul, Apollos, Cephas, but present. Uh, yeah, and then you shall judge the world. You shall judge angels. We're in the position of Christ. And then there's Romans 8 and 29, which we certainly know, especially because we are there. It says, um, here it says, And those he predestined, he also called. Those he called, he also justified. Those he justified, he also glorified. So we are those. Yeah. That's who we are. From eternity past to glorified is all sovereign grace. He's not even talking about a little bit. It's not even worth mentioning in this subject, I'm sorry to say. But I know people are really excited about receiving a reward and all of that. I, I get it. But let me tell you, this is so far above 
But it's not even my words. I would just say it. It's not even worth talking about. You just serve because we're we love and we're grateful, and we're appreciative, and we are want we want to walk worthy of the calling that we have received. Don't put yourself in there like, well, God needed me because of no. Uh-uh. He did this, and it will happen. So from all of that, the conclusion of the matter is, and what is the conclusion of the matter? He who did not spare his own son, but he gave him up for us all. How will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? So the father is in question, right? He could possibly tell us, no, I I changed my mind, or uh, I don't have to choose you. But he did choose us. And not only did he choose us, but he put this plan in place where he sent the son. So that not only did he sacrifice him, he did not spare him, but but him with us. We are alone with him. That's the baptism of the Spirit. Graciously give us all things. If, if God did that, he is certainly, logically, for us. So logically then, the Father is for us. There's, I mean, that's, you can't take away anything from what God has chosen with regard to us in this church. It doesn't matter. Okay, I'm not letting you off the hook and telling you, oh, you don't even have to worry about obedience. Don't even think about it. You got all this greatness that God has done for us. He's this lofty position. You don't have to, I'm not saying that at all. I'm saying come with your full self. Come to understand what God has done so that we can take our place in the battle. If you want to show that you do appreciate, if you want to show love that's going to be shown in your devotion, your commitment, and your obedience, if you want to say, God, thank you, then this is how you do it, through how you allow uh, to give up your life on this earth. What is the mystery? It is Christ in you, the hope of glory. What does the hope of glory mean? Maybe you get glory, maybe not. No, the absolute confidence of glory. That's what it means. So we, we will have to end, and we will not get to what we have uh, this week, which is Romans 8.33, who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen. It is God who justifies. We won't have time for that today, but next week, God willing, we'll be here. and We can talk about these things. Let's, let's close. Father, thank you for this time you've given us. This glory is far beyond anything we can phantom. We thank you so much for choosing us in him before the creation of the world. We didn't ask for it. We don't deserve it. But we're honored by it. We thank you for it profusely. As we, the more we think about it, the more thankfulness wells up in our hearts and in our spirits. We pray that we will be those who have humility so that your spirit will continue to lead and guide us. The spirit that is within us will continue to yearn to learn more and understand our calling. 
responsibility that is upon our lives. All of this we ask in the, the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. It's in his name. Amen. All right. Amen. 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 All right. Amen.